Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grossi. It's me a great pleasure to welcome our regular What's Making News guest, Russell Hanby, who I do know had some homework to do, but we'll get to that later. Welcome, Russell, to Viewpoints again. Thanks, Henry. Doesn't take long to roll around, does it? It doesn't take long to roll around. It was interesting, earlier in the week we had, and we were chatting about this off air, Russ, um, we were going to get... Uh, some thunderstorm activity and possibly another day like we had back in 2016. I think it was November 22nd then when we had that very unusual day where we had thunderstorms and wind and we had uh, that that um, pe- a situation where people were dying from um, asthma attacks. Uh, all of a sudden it was a... Remember that weird day there? Yes, that's right. I think it was November. I think it might have been yeah. 2017, actually. But, yeah, uh, I got the date. I was, yeah. I get the date I was wrong, coming, I? Yeah, I was coming back from Portland. Uh, we had a little holiday down there, and uh, oh. the, the storm followed us through. But, uh, yeah, that, but a lot of people, I think there were nine uh, nine people killed in Melbourne, I think, or in Victoria. Something like that. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. But, and so we are all warned about it. Thankfully, that didn't happen. Um, did you have – we didn't have thunderstorms out our way. And What about you? No, we had just showers, fairly moderate uh, to light showers, uh, you know, stopping and starting. And I looked at the radar and there was sort of a hit and miss business, but uh, there was no war- no thunderstorm warnings or anything in our area. But I believe part of the state had electrical storms, perhaps up the north-west uh, of the state earlier. Mm, but it also shows how fraught it is uh, weather forecasting at times, Russell, uh, it, it can change at the drop of a hat, can't it? Especially in places yes. like Melbourne. Melbourne is prone to changeable weather patterns. That's right. And they had lots of warnings about the possibility uh, of uh, this asthma business. Uh, that didn't come to anything. I think they wanted to be very careful this time because the last time there was no warning, was there really? No, no, there wasn't. Uh, there was also the allergenic responses to grass seeds, which at this time of the year there's a lot of them around and... Uh, uh, there were some reports of that, of kids getting, you know, um, reactions on their skin. Oh, yes, yeah. Well, I, 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 when I was a child, I used to get hay fever badly and uh, haven't Did had you? it for years. But I, I went out for a bike ride uh, just before lunch and uh, today and got the old itchy eyes and everything else and sneezing. So uh, it's certainly back again. The grasses with the northerlies, it does it, I think. Mm, absolutely. Now, you had homework. Do you yes, want to tell I us did. about it? I'd missed out on homework two weeks before, so uh, I was wondering when I was going to get some more. <laughs> but uh, wagging, uh, we were talking about skiving uh, last week, weren't we? And, we were. Uh, and we found out one of the terms we use in Australia is wagging. And I did a bit of research. It is predominantly Australian. And it's uh, to miss school, as we know, or to be a truant. Um, and it is used in most Australian states. Uh, other synonyms or words the same as skipping, Skipping classes, whopping, I haven't heard that a lot, W-O-P-P, jigging, that's a term used in Metro Sydney, apparently. So it does have local areas where we have their own words for it. In America, in American English, they they play hooky, don't they? Remember playing hooky? And, Absolutely. Uh, the, the British English are skiving off, which you talked about, or bunking, doing the bunk. I remember years ago, you'd hear someone doing a bunk, meaning they uh, nicked off. Uh, but uh, the, the origin, um, a bit hazy where it comes from, but it, it could be a variant of the British form of hop the wag. 
in which the wag in question is a shortening for wagon. So you hop the wagon, uh, meaning you get off the wagon or onto the wagon, uh, which is skip class. I think it probably means hop off because you meant to be on the wagon, but you hop the wag and you uh, nick off from it. Yes, interesting. So and of course, keep going. I was going to say, I've been using the term nick off. Of course, that's very Australian too, isn't it? I've used that nick twice off, now, yeah. twice in the last... Uh, Half minute, I think I've used that expression. And it's it's interesting if you go to to England, the word Nick means that the police have caught you and you're a crook. That's right. We've all watched <laughs> we've all watched those early editions of the of the Bill, haven't we? You know, yes, you're Nick. you're Nick, yeah. which which doesn't mean you got away. It means the exact opposite. You've been caught. Yeah. You've been nicked. And I think they call they call their prisoners the, the Nick too, going into the Nick, don't they? Exactly, and they call their um, the word governor. Uh, basically means your boss over there, doesn't it? Particularly in the police, it's uh, the yeah. governor. We, over here, the governor is the Queen's representative and basically that's it, isn't it? Yes, is the, yeah, the top head boss was the, the governor, wasn't it? Yeah. Fascinating. And London cabbies are meant to say, g'day, Gov, you know, to even a, a male passenger, aren't they? Absolutely. Gov. It's it's interesting, the colloquial use of language, uh, same language, different country, uh, a different colloquial uh, use of it. It's uh, quite fascinating. People who come to Australia uh, often say, Russell, uh, that they've learned English, the, the, the functional technical English, and then, of course, uh, we throw our, our colloquial sayings out there and it completely f- confuses them because the literal meaning, obviously, has nothing to do uh, with, the, um, with, with the way it's used colloquially Colloquially, uh, an example might be um, uh, one of the ones that uh, might be is a red herring <laughs> yeah. red, or lame duck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> there are so many of them yeah. uh, th- that if you took it literally, you'd say, well, I've never seen a red herring <laughs> <laughs> with lame ducks walking around. Lame ducks are a bit more broadly used than in Australia, but there are so many. Maybe we'll see if you can come up next week with a colloquialism that... Uh, the literal meaning has no bears no resemblance to the um, the way in which we use it. And uh, you come up with one, and I'll come up with one. All right. Uh, what about next week? There, we both got. See, I've given myself homework for a change. <laughs> best best colloquialism that you can okay, come up with. Okay, that doesn't really that doesn't really mean the literal word. Yeah. Absolutely, it means uh, it means uh, something else. Mm. Do you reckon, I mean, do you reckon you're up for it? Well, some of the expressions like once in a blue moon, that does make sense because a blue moon, we had one last month apparently, where yes. it's two full moons in the month. Well, that means a very rare occasion. That's not quite what we're talking about. We're saying red herring where nothing to do with anything, is it? You know, apparently. Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly, a red herring. I mean, it's a classic, isn't it? Um, yes. You know, we'll throw, what was another one? Throw a barb, what is it? Throw a, what is that one about throwing something on a barbie? God, I've forgotten it. Not the shrimp. Shrimp. Yeah, throw another shrimp on the barbie. Snag. Another snag on the barbie. Um, hit the sack. There's one. Hit the sack. Yeah. Oh, fumbling around here. We, we, we have to say, hit the sack. Well, if you took that literally, what do you do? You go and get a broom or something and whack the sack or something. I'm going to hit the sack. <laughs> And more than one way to swing a cat or skin a cat. Squeeze. There's more than one way from, to skin a cat, yes. Uh, uh, does that come from the cat of nine tails, I think, to uh, 
Probably, I don't know. You probably. Know. Anyway, listen, we're rambling on and wasting our yeah. time. We, we'll do it for next week. Now, we better get cracking. Uh, rankings distorting uni choices, according to the Age Russell Australian National University Vice-Chancellor Brian Schmidt has questioned the validity of the global ranking systems relied upon by universities to market themselves, saying they're misleading and distorting student universities' research priorities. Big statement. Yes, uh, and Professor Smith, is that the companies behind the global rankings arbitrarily chose to reward science and engineering but overlook uh, or penalise teaching quality humanities, uh, research subjects and uh, such as Australian local history. Uh, And uh, the ratings do influence student choices and prospective students use the global university ratings as a guide to countries and institutions. It's been going for 15 years and uh, in the Times Higher Education Rankings, for example, THE, many Australian universities were in the top 200 and Melbourne University is number 30, the highest of the Australians there. Now, some teaching decisions now aim to maximise their ratings uh, and they in fact, they found that investing in First Nation studies can lead to a ratings penalty. Now, there's evidence that many universities were now prioritising scientific research over humanities or Australian studies uh, due to the rankings. So uh, it's a bit, it reminds you a little bit like what some schools are doing with the NAPLAN exams to increase yes, their ratings. Yes, teach to the test. You teach know. to the test. Yes, and, uh, and I've long said, Russell, that, look, Maths and English are very important subjects, but they're not the measure of ranking schools um, against each other is basically the only tool that you use. Um, and it's the same here. Um, yes, um, I mean, and one of the things that uh, they talk about are that uh, some rankings, as you're saying, Russell, such as Shanghai, were based purely on research metrics, while others used reputation metrics that Dr Baboni's considered flawed. So you're not even comparing apples with apples. No, they just come up with a number, I suppose, a ranking, and people think, oh, well, it's not, it's got a good high ranking, we'll, we'll go there. And, of course, it sort of perpetuates itself a little bit, doesn't it, as it goes? As to what the ranking is. We need to take a short break. Russ, can you hold the line? Yes, certainly. Welcome back to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grosek, and I'm in a discussion of what's making news with Russell Hanby. Welcome back, Russ. Thanks, Henry. In the break, we were talking about how we're just babbling on all over the place. Well, we're going to be focused for this next 10 minutes. Um, So, Russell, get on with it. Yes, this is a breakthrough for diabetes sufferers. The Victorian type 1 diabetics will be the first in the world to try a new class of drug, hope to stop the disease and save them from a life dependent on insulin injections. And uh, Melbourne researchers say a new arthritis drug may prevent type 1 diabetics, their immune systems, destroying their insulin-producing cells in the early stages of the disease before its life-threatening consequences are locked in. And it's been uh, trialled in laboratory and animal testing, and uh, researcher Tom Kay was confident the Melbourne human trial would have a huge impact. Uh, Sufferers need insulin injections uh, and constant finger prick tests to monitor their blood sugars. But scientists say the arthritis drug baricitinibe may prevent the insulin-producing cells from being destroyed that would be a step towards a cure. Now, diabetes type 1 triggers the immune system to destroy the cells in the pancreas that produce insulin. Now, that is a hormone needed to metabolise glucose. 
Now, rheumatoid arthritis is an autoimmune disease similar to uh, what the uh, other one is, and it has been effectively halted by baricitinib. So they're hoping that the arthritis uh, drug will also work on uh, diabetes. Yeah, it's an amazing, another great breakthrough. And that, um, that, that's very important, Russell, because as you, you said, av- on average, seven Australians are diagnosed with type 1 diabetes every day. Well, if you multiply seven by 365, you've got, what, 2,500 a year. Yes, that's right. And of course, one of the uh, they've got the, the diabetics have got to be very careful in this COVID age too. Apparently, they're very susceptible to their immune systems. Uh, mm. get, so, uh, yeah, but anyway, this could be a breakthrough, and hopefully, it'll be quicker rather than later. Yes, and uh, it's one that's with us. What causes diabetes, Russ? The actual cause of it, I don't, I don't know. We so know what it does, but I don't know what causes it because some people have it and it's, uh, I don't know whether it's inherited or, or what, but uh, yes. It's, it's an interesting one, that. Anyway, we'll move on, Russell, and we might find some homework there if we're not careful. Um, <laughs> FISA COVID-19 vaccine to be shipped in Eskies. The FISA COVID-19 vaccine will be moved around Australia in specialised Eskies as part of a global distribution deal the government has secured with the pharmaceutical company. Um, Eskies, moving it around. What do you think about that one, Russell? Yeah, well, apparently the uh, the Pfizer vaccine, as well as other ones like the BioNTech, uh, they require temperatures of minus 70 degrees because they're what they call mRNA-based. And uh, Pfizer is uh, distributing the vaccine in sophisticated Eskies uh, full of dry ice, which can last 14 days. And they say that with two refills, they can give them one and a half months of cold chain protection. So it can be stored for one and a half months at that temperature. Uh, Health Minister Greg Hunt says vaccinating Australians will take place in March next year. Uh, It will be given firstly to doctors' practices, then hospitals and respiratory uh, clinics. Australia has pre-approved with provisos the vaccines from Pfizer, BioNTech, the University of Oxford and AstraZeneca ones as well. We talked about them last week. And Professor Skerritt of the Therapeutic Goods Administration says there's still a lot of unknowns about the vaccines, like we don't know much at all about the length of time one is protected by them. But it looks like it's uh, coming faster than we thought, maybe. Yes. Well, of course, the the actual distribution of it will take a little longer, perhaps, because you've got a lot of people in the world, haven't we? Uh, And getting it all around and produced will take some little time. But... uh, Look, it's um, it's great news. We've been waiting for this sort of news for the last six months, haven't we? Yes, and I heard on the radio this morning. I think it's the UK are planning to give their first lot of vaccinations in early December. That's just a week or so away. So it's certainly crept up on us. Absolutely, and there's an Australian one that's due in the middle of next year, isn't there? Uh, yes, uh, that's right. The University of Queensland's working on it, aren't they? With CSL, I think. Yes. Yes. Uh, and apparently with this uh, Pfizer one, uh, you can't produce it uh, yourself. Some of them give like the, the recipes to the countries and they make their own, but this one they've got to ship across apparently. Uh, so we can't sort of manufacture our own version of that at the moment. No, no, it's uh, but um, it's good good news. It's, what's interesting, I read an article today, Russell, whereby they say getting the vaccine is one thing, 
getting people to have confidence in it's another when there's so much information and misinformation out there about vaccines and research is showing that uh, up to 30% of people in some countries will have said they won't take the vaccine, which would not really be what we want. No, we want a high percentage of that, I think, to get to the herd immunity to take over, don't we? And the Hipparians report, I heard someone on the news last night saying that he had a, he was in one of the trials and he did get a bit of a reaction. It was like a hangover for a day and a half and then that was it. But uh, you don't really know what's going to go on. So I'm presuming they're, they're doing thorough testing before they unleash it on the general populace. Well, you would think so. I mean, why, why, wouldn't, why wouldn't they do that, Russell? Why wouldn't the, the they do that? The other thing is we don't know the effect of young, middle-aged and elderly people. They might have slightly different reactions, mightn't they? Absolutely, it? absolutely. Now, time's on the wing. Russell, I've saved you some homework. Oh, thank you, yes. Yes, <laughs> yes. Type 1 diabetes is an interesting one because researchers only, and we were talking about this just a little while ago, um, earlier in this program, what causes type 1 diabetes. That's caused... Um, researchers have theories but no actual uh, conclusions as to what causes type 1 diabetes, Russell. But you know, it predominantly presents in childhood, although it can develop in adulthood. Uh, and um, they think it's uh, related to genetic uh, conditions and also some viruses. That's type 1. Type 2 has got more to do with lifestyle choices that right. you make. Right, yes. Usually appears later in life. Mm. Well, yes. Yeah, well, m myself and my family, we've been blessed with uh, not having any in our uh, our no, makeup there. No. But uh, I suppose you've got have you got any cases at your school of people who children? Yeah, we, we we do. We have we treat some of the children. There are children with diabetes. I mean, schools in in some ways have really their role in healthcare and well being in that area has really grown. There are a lot of children in a lot of schools that uh, suffer from all sorts of allergenic conditions. Uh, and, and, and other disabilities and um, there's a fair bit of work has to go in schools to make sure that you know you keep the schools safe for those children and you care for them um, as well. Asthma is another one that's uh, an issue in a lot of schools so a lot of in society I think I think they're getting on top of it in some ways but uh, that's that's certainly an area where um, you know schools uh, have uh, have got a lot of work to do. We need to keep moving on. I'm being warned by our producer, so <laughs> I will let you go with the next one, Russell. Yes, Grampians between a rock and a barred place. The, the Victorian government will maintain its ban on rock climbing in scores of areas in the Grampians National Park, potentially killing the site as a global destination. And uh, Parks Victoria has announced 66 climbing areas would be closed permanently in the park and climbers would uh, perhaps face a permit system. The government's also considering whether to end free camping arrangements in certain areas, as well as banning climbing in a further 126 areas. Now, climbing was still allowed at the moment in 89 areas, and the climbing sector, though, fears the draft plan will discourage climbers and end the Grampian status as a globally significant destination. Now, why are they doing this? Well, the argument is to protect the cultural heritage. They also plan to reintroduce native animals like bandicoots and dingoes. And Parks CEO Matthew Jackson said parks were primarily for preservation of nature and culture. 
Now, while the draft plan will go out for consultation, climate concerns have largely been ignored in the process, apparently. So there's been an ongoing uh, bit of disquiet between the people who love climbing uh, some of those nearby mountains at the Grampians and the, and the Parks Victoria. Mm. Have you ever been into climbing mountains or just strolling up the, 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 the pathways? Uh, the pathways. I've been in, in. I have climbed. I think everyone that's been to Halls Gap has climbed the pinnacle at the back there. Yes, some state, yes, the pinnacle. Which is a, a fairly it's easy by all standards type of thing. I wouldn't like to do it today. I don't think so much. But uh, are they still? Yeah, is, that, <laughs> is that one they're talking about closing, no, or is it actually I, climbing I, on the rock faces yeah, with uh, ropes and uh, various equipment? I think yes. yes. Yeah, I, I've, I know a friend who who loves going to Arapiles and those areas, and he's very disappointed about it all. He reckons that the argument that they were damaging is uh, not substantiated. So, uh, but I suppose it's a, a bit of a parallel with Uluru, isn't it? Where, yes, yes, uh, you know, same thing. Being a traditional sort of almost religious site that has become. And uh, so I guess that's the, the other side of the coin, isn't it? <clears throat> Absolutely. Where time is on the wing, Russell, what's the, um, what's the odd spot this week? I think you'll find this one interesting. Yeah, a woman who allegedly tried to score a free meal at a fast food outlet by posing as an FBI agent has been arrested in the US. Police, police in Georgia say the, the oh, 47-year-old, she threatened to take workers uh, at a Chick-fil-A, uh, there must be the type of thing, Chick-fil-A outlet, into custody if they didn't feed her, claiming she was a federal agent. Now, the woman continued she was being was, was with the Bureau when she was being handcuffed in the restaurant's car park, and police said she began to talk into her shirt like she was talking into a radio, telling someone that we were arresting her. Oh, dear. I'm sorry for interrupting with laughter, but that one really tickled my fancy, Russell, when I, I we plucked it out. I thought I had, I, I had visions of, what was, it, uh, what was that spy thing, smart? Get, get smart, get smart. Yeah, yeah. he's got his coat yeah. and rather than disguise the fact that he was a spy he was making it bleeding obvious to everybody that he actually was and I could see this lady I think if you watch too much get smart well yeah, I think, I think yeah. she was outsmarted did we hear what happened to her in the end no, no, no. Oh, yeah, so they, they, funny, funny people around. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was funny. That's a funny one. You just saw talking to a shirt. It didn't get her off, though, did it? No, I wouldn't think so, no. <laughs> oh, we need a laugh, Russ. Russ, that takes us out for this week. Listen, if you're going to go climbing with your friend up uh, in those cliff faces, um, you better hurry up and do it and come back safe and sound for next week. And don't forget your homework. No, I won't. No, I'll keep on arms and ladders at my age, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was Russell Hanby, listeners. What's making news? Uh, there's news in there and we do have a bit of fun along the way. You take care. We'll speak to you soon.